Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Today is episode 38 titled, The Harvest is Plentiful and the Laborers are Few. Today shines more light on the compassion of Christ. Very important thing, I think, to notice. Today's message has to do with the pain people experience in the world and the unending need for guidance and help. So let's dive in. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38 says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The following information was taken from an early church bishop and doctor of the church, Hilary Poitier. No investigator had stirred up the crowds. They were not harassed and helpless because of some mishap or disturbance. So why is Jesus so moved with compassion for these people? Clearly the Lord has pity on these people held in the sway of an unclean spirit and burdened by the law because no shepherd was about to restore them the guardianship of the Holy Spirit. So when I read that commentary, I think about the burden of the 613 Mosaic Laws. Imagine having to go through 613 laws to make sure you're living according to God's will. That, to me, would be, it's, it's, it's a full-time job and career in and of itself. Just to capture a, a decent level of understanding of 613 laws, it's brutal. No easy task by any means. Even now that we're under the law of Christ and the law of liberty, that's still no easy task at all. The law of Christ is faith, morality, and love. Morality was the word that I couldn't remember yesterday. I had to look it up. So the law of Christ is faith, morality, and love. The law of liberty is to choose to do what, what is right or what we should do rather than what we want. So let me just give you a scenario of how the law of Christ is difficult. Imagine being in a gulag and people are beating you with a cudgel every, every single day. How hard would it be to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? What about people who interpret your intentions every single day as malevolent, even though you're just trying to do the right thing, right? And maybe in its stupidity before malevolence, let's say, but they assume malevolence before stupidity. And you're walking around with people who assume that you're a malevolent person when in fact you're not. What about people who don't trust you and you're treated like a liar? What about that? What about, I mean, imagine being immersed in a culture where you're just surrounded by people who despise you. Much like Christ experienced, right? He was hated. No majesty. People avoided him. They hid their faces from him. Um, how hard is it to love your enemies when you're in the midst of that kind of suffering? What if you were asking someone, someone for help and they cussed at you and told you to, to F off and go get a job and figure your life out? quit being a turd, but they had no idea what was going on in your personal life. Just imagine sitting there experiencing something like that and then still being told by the law of Christ that we have to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. It's tough. It is not easy. It's not easy. How hard is it to keep the faith when your world seems to be crumbling and you don't know what God is up to exactly? What about people who have lost their children? Right? What about people who... I know a family... If I remember the story correctly, I think it was a family in Michigan. 
the father, the mother, and the child all had brain cancer. And I think the only... Oh, the the husband, either one spouse or both spouses survived, and the child was the one who passed away. Imagine that. Imagine having to keep the faith with something like that. It's brutal. This world is brutal. Absolutely brutal. brutal. How hard is it to do the right thing when something you don't fully understand is pulling on you? What about that? What about if you just don't have the understanding and something's pulling on you? How hard is it to do the right thing? Now, is it easier than the 613 Mosaic Laws? Yes, 100%. But it's not easy being a human being by any means. But we are, in fact, drawn to Christ from the Father to carry our cross and follow Him. So even in lieu of sufferings, which do, in fact, draw us closer to Christ, because it's opportunities for growth and these trials produce steadfastness, that growth, spiritual growth is brutal. It's so difficult. But that's what it means to carry our cross and follow Him. It's to struggle against this world to honor and glorify our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The following information was taken from Theophylact of Orid, an early church archbishop and scholar. They did not have a shepherd, for their rulers not only failed to correct them, but even harmed them. The mark of a true shepherd is to have compassion for his flock. Well, that was interesting to me that Theophylact of Orid noted that the Pharisees, not only did the, this flock not have shepherds, but the rulers didn't correct them spiritually the way they needed to, but actually even exploited their people. So that's tough. That's a tough thing. Here we understand the flock did in fact need correction though. They need direction, they need assistance, and they needed help and accountability of some sort. And all of those things should be driven by compassion and love. Okay, so love is the reason why. Love is to urge others towards goodness in Christ. That's what St. Thomas Aquinas says, right? Love is to will the good of another. It is the best abstraction I've ever seen of biblical love in my entire life. When I read that, I was just blown away because it's perfect. It fit. And it ties into agape perfectly. So agape is unconditional, self-sacrificingly, and volitional. So we are to unconditionally will the good of others, regardless if they love us back or not. But love is also, loving God is to pursue what is holy and struggle against sin. So to love Christ is to carry our cross in his name as well. And there's so many distractions in this world that there is, there's literally a daily need for spending time in God's word. And that's why I started this podcast, because I wanted someone to be able to flip this on on the way to work, 10 or 15 minute ride, and just get some daily inspiration and learning. Because it's not just feeling good. Like we need to learn. We need to learn the heart of God. We need to learn the mind of God. We need to learn the will of God. And as massive and as sophisticated as God's written word is, I think day, I think we need it daily, truly. It is, in fact, our spiritual food. It is, in fact, and it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word uttered from the mouth of God. That's Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. The following information was taken from St. Jerome's Commentary, a Christian priest, confessor, theologian, and historian who was the patron saint of translation for the Catholic Church. He also if I remember correctly, attended the School of Alexandria, which was started by the Apostle Mark. That, that school did a bunch of great stuff. So St. Jerome was, a, was a, a titan of the faith, heavy hitter. This is what he said. An abundant harvest signified the multitude of people. The few laborers signified the dearth of teachers. He commands them to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
There are the laborers of whom the psalmist speak, speaks. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. He that goes forth weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. And that I may speak in broader terms, this is him expanding, an abundant harvest represents all the believing multitude. The few laborers imply the apostles and their imitators who are sent into the harvest. So the observation still stands, right? We need competent laborers for the Lord's harvest. We need people who truly understand God's written word. It's not, to, to me, if you're a pastor, priest, bishop, it's not enough just to talk about something with moderate resolution. You have to truly understand it. And I don't know why I've had the privilege, I'm being sarcastic here, why I've had the privilege of, of experiencing so much misunderstanding. It, it's, it's, it's very frustrating because I think, especially in the Protestant evangelical circles, what we need is hyper, hyper competency. And we need people who, who labor over God's written word so he can feed the flocks. This is food. It's the, it, it's the written word of God is, is part of the bread of life. Just as Christ is the bread of life, so is the bread that Christ talks about in Matthew 4, 4. And there's so many false teachers who are deceiving people by the millions, by the millions. Just take Joe Lostein, for example. It's all feel-good, emotional gospel that's about God benefiting you. And that is not it. That is not the story of Christianity whatsoever. The story of Christianity is repentance, turning away from sin, carrying your cross, following the path of righteousness for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and salvaging souls and laboring for his harvest. It's about commissioning for the Lord's army and fighting a spiritual battle. And that prosperity gospel nonsense is just a straight lie. Because if God never blesses us another day in our life, we've received the most precious gift, which is the gift of eternal life. He doesn't owe us anything else, truly. Anything else is just something done out of the goodness of his heart. Being a Christian truly is about laboring for God, not God continuing to labor for us. That's narcissism, to think that being a Christian is about you. No, it's about our Lord. It ain't about you. It's about honoring and glorifying our Lord. That's what we should be doing. The following information was taken from the commentary of Remigius of Reims, an early church bishop. But when the Son of God looked down from heaven upon the earth to hear the groans of the captives... Straight a great harvest began to ripen, for the multitude of the human race would never have come near to the faith had not the author of human salvation looked down from heaven. And it follows, then he said unto his disciples, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few, for the number of the apostles was small in comparison of so great crops to be reaped. The Lord exhorts his preachers, that is, the apostles and their followers, that they should daily desire an increase of their number. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. So the guidance still stands. We should pray daily, daily for effective and competent leaders, shepherds, preachers, pastors, and priests to help guide people towards Christ. Because Christ, there is no other way we're making it to heaven. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is what unlocks the mysteriousness of God's grace and atonement of sins. There is no hope without him at all. There's no working your way into heaven. Jesus Christ must be our everything. And the reason for that is because God is a just God. Sin cannot go unpunished. So Jesus had to take the sins upon him. He got his tail whooped for our sins. 
He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. That's Isaiah 53, 5. He was bruised, mocked, spit on, beat, scourged, crowned of thorns, lodged into his head, carried across uphill. I don't remember the exact distance, but the cross was 165 pounds. So after receiving the whipping, the brutal whipping that gave him stripes, that's the stripes, by the way, by his stripes, we are healed. It's from the scourging at the pillar. And then he carried a 165 pound cross. Lord knows how much blood he lost and then carried his own cross to his own death and then had nails put through his hands and feet and his side pierced and rotten wine offered to him. Imagine being on the cross and it's like you've already been abused, being innocent, and you've been abused for hours, hours and hours. And then you're on the cross, and you ask for a drink, and you're given sour wine. It's just, it's the ultimate, 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 ultimate tragedy and suffering story. It's the most amount of pain for the least deserving person. It's, there's, you cannot make that story any worse. Betrayed by those who claim to love you and follow you. Blamed for something that wasn't true when oh, you're just trying to help. It's just it's a, it's a terrible story. And that's why he deserves our, our honor and our glory and our praise. Because he, he lived the life we couldn't lift and received the punishment we deserve for our sins. That's why he deserves it. Because he did something truly amazing. Truly. That's all we have for today. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.